0: our first dungeon crawl classics open tournament in many years and it's going awesome so thanks to everybody who played this year we didn't have a whole lot of slots because we were kind of a little rusty we haven't run one in many years we're sort of you know getting back in the swing of things but it's gone terrific we worked out all the kinks and uh we'll be back next year to run it again with all of our slots but it's gone awesome and thanks to all the judges thanks to mark and harley and all the writers who make it happen I mean, thanks to all the players because it's kind of great don't forget to come to the raffle at the booth. Sunday at 2 o'clock, we'll be raffling off original art as well as some of the collector's editions and things like that. So if you played in an event or bought something at the booth, you should have a raffle ticket. Hopefully, you checked out the new sections at the booth. We have the Appendix in Bookstore, which is, personally, I think it's awesome. If you liked it, let us know. Maybe we will do something like that in the future. We have the Bazaar of the Bazaar with all the sort of one off Kickstarter items that were left over from various Kickstarters in years past. Uh, we have all the vintage pulp magazines, the tons of DCC third-party products, the game science dice, the new impact dice, all the new releases. Let us know what you liked and what you didn't like and we'll try to adapt to that in the future. Now here's a quick recap of projects that have already been launched or in various states of completion. Mr. Wampler and his mutant & Crawl Classics uh, has gone amazing. <laughs> We've gotten tons of great feedback on MCC. We now have the final draft out. People found a couple more typos, which we'll fix right after the con. And It'll go to the printer in about, uh, probably about two weeks. As soon as we're back, we have covered and have made those edits. Once it's at the printer, we'll give you guys the ETA a what we expected, um, as well as the modules. The modules are amazing. They're turning out great. You guys have seen most of the covers, but nothing more than that. You'll see the PDFs of go soon. They're all in various states of either layout, proofreading, or in some cases completely done. But it's coming along great. Um, the DCC late mark, so obviously the Kickstarter is complete and what amazing, so where's Mike? Good job, Michael Curtis. Hey. So everybody had that awesome job. Uh, right now we're in various stages of commissioning art uh, and just starting on the layout. Something pretty exciting is, as you guys know, we like to go back to some of the original sources, um, and I haven't worked a lot with Janelle Jacquez in the past, but she has agreed to do some art for the Lakemar project. So we got in the first nice. two pieces from her, and yeah. they turned out awesome. <laughs> um, and for those of you who back the Zero Level Scratch-Off project, that is at the printer, um, and that's just going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, th- there's. Nobody in the right mind would ever fund Scratch Ops as a business initiative. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys supporting it, because it's fun and it's the kind of stuff I like to do. Kind of like these spinner buttons, like, that is not a sound investment, but it's true. <laughs> Thank you guys. You got uh, oh. <laughs> So, uh, that's Launch Projects, and at the end, if we have time, you guys can ask questions. But i to get through a lot, so I'm just going to keep on jumping through. Now, some of the stuff that we've announced but haven't actually launched yet, um, what we call the B1, B2 project, and uh, I see, where's Chris? I saw Chris. There's Chris Doyle, who converted some classic modules to 5e. Good job, Chris. And there's Tim, who edited it. Good job, Chris. So this is a licensed product, which means we have to collaborate with Wizards of the Coast on the final design. But this is the latest cover design. The official title is Into the Borderlands. The series, because it is a series, there will be more, the series is titled Original Adventures Reincarnated, and this is number one in the series. Um, there's going to be changes to this. We were going back and forth with them on font choices and placement and so on, and that's how it goes when you have a a project. Uh, but it, the cover looks awesome. You can see all the design elements reflected here. I'm sure you get all the references. Um, I had a big uh, discussion with them on this yellow stripe, which I think is critical. Um, and, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yellow stripe. And they, uh, <laughs> we're debating that, so I'm really hoping to keep the yellow stripe. But overall, it's looking great, and it's uh, coming along really good. The layout is, actually, all the art is done, all the maps are done, all the conversions are done, all the editing is done, um, and we faced a choice. We could have rushed it and probably made Gen Con, but we decided not to rush it, and instead just make sure we make everything perfect. Um, And I'm thinking probably the end of the year at this rate, but it's moving along pretty good. Um, So then, the annual, which I like to talk about annually. (laughs) 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 So, uh, I think some of you have seen this cover design. We showed it somewhere before. Uh, But believe it or not, it's actually coming along. The, uh, most of the, actually the content's done, it's edited, uh, we'll be starting layout soon, next week, Next week. some of the art's coming in. For those of you who've been by the booth, we have, we have art folios for many of the contributors to the line. Doug, of course, has his own section at the booth, Brad McDevitt, Stephen Poe, uh, William McCausland, and Peter Mullen all have art folios at the booth. I just wanted to, you know, let you guys in on a secret. If you take Peter Mullen's art folio and spread it out, it's an 11 by 17 image, which would be one of the in sheets on the annual. Awesome. So it is actually coming along very very slowly, but it is coming along. We'll continue talking about it annually for the next five years. I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> it actually will come out probably early next year. So that's the annual. Um, the next DCC reprint. So, you know, it's a lot of fun working on these products. One of the fun parts is when they go to the second printing, which is when we get to add new content in the back, do a fresh edit, sometimes think about new art, And one of the things we've done lately is add new cover art by new artists, just to add a new perspective and, frankly, it gives me a chance to work with a new artist on a new project, which is a lot of fun. Um, So Peter Mullen did the cover to Jules of the Carnifex, and Doug Kovacs' original cover was awesome. Not to take anything away, but Peter's is also awesome. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I know many of you have met Brad and and Stefan and Will and some of the, you know, the Canadian cons. It was rumored that Peter Mullen was simply, you know, a gnome de plume by one of the other artists. if no <laughs> everyone actually met him, but he does exist, and he's back there in the corner in the i have needs to talk to him. Will McCosland is also right there. Stefan's right there. Brad's right there.
1: Dope will be in to bring us all shortly. Any minute now. Um,
0: But this is the next cover. Yes, this is Intrigue of the Court of Chaos by Russ Nicholson. Some of you guys know Russ Russ Nicholson. Well, then I'll reveal the one behind it. I'll let go. (laughs) The stippler. Russ uh, is the guy behind the feed folio way back when. Um, Did that cover, has done a couple other interior, or a lot of interior pieces for us. But this is the first color cover he's done. Um, for Goom Games, which I think is awesome. So that'll be out, it's actually going to the printer shortly. Um, it'll be out as uh, we sell out of the first printing of intrigue the Puts to Gas. And there'll be others after that. I've, uh, oh, if cool. any of you guys are a fan of, anybody here a fan of Warren Publishing from the 1970s? Eerie, creepy, all that kind of stuff? Oh. Oh, yeah. Many of those, and even if now you, you know what I'm talking about, The, the Warren was well-known in the style, they are over there too. <laughs> art they did. I love it. It's uh, in the DCC style, um, sort of horror theme, but you know, true brushwork. It's, it's wonderful. I've been talking to several of their artists about doing some of the alternate covers for some of the upcoming ones. So, um, you know, no news yet, but as those come along, they should be awesome. So, uh, that's update on stuff we've launched and stuff we've announced, but not launched. Now to talk to you about some new products coming out soon. So you guys know, we do a Halloween adventure every year, or have for the last couple of years. Um, this year, we got uh, John Hook to write it. Those of you who know John Hook know he's done a lot of our Agent Cthulhu product. And he has a real—he's great in Lovecraft work. He not only talks about—you um, know, Lovecraft stuff can become kind of hackneyed, you know, oh, yet another tentacle monster. Um, but John does an amazing job of sort of taking the horror aspects of it and refreshing it. So this is Peter's cover for the Halloween module this year, Shadow Under Devil's Reef by John. So you'll be able to buy that, obviously, in October, um, but it turned out terrific. The cover has this great creepy vibe, um, and it's a great adventure. So look for that to come soon. Next thing is for the Metamorphosis Alpha fans. So you guys hopefully got Epsilon City, hopefully you liked it. Jim Ward has turned in his next project, which is called Doom on the Warden. Doom on the Warden, as he describes it, is a tomb of wars in space. So we're starting to work on the manuscript. It's still probably about a year out before we, you know, announce anything and then do a launch or anything, but uh, there will be more Metaphorses Alpha. Um, and it's awesome. Instead of, a you know, a big city supplement, it's a shorter volume, um, but it's a creepy sort of horror-themed adventure on a derelict spaceship floating through space, so it's pretty cool. Um, and now, is Howard Andrew Jones in the house? Come on up, Howard. Everybody, this is Howard. Hi, Howard. Hi, Howard. Hi, Howard. Hi, Howard. So, have a seat. How's it going? Goes good. Good. I love the gong. Okay, good. Gongs are cool, man. <laughs> 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 That's the governing philosophy of goodman Games. Nice. We make enough money. <laughs> <we can't. laughs> um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about Howard. Some of you may have read uh, one of his stories that was in last year's Gen Con program guide. Um, he writes fiction. He writes really good fiction. And many of you know that um, DCC is grounded in the works of Appendix In. If you came by the booth, you saw the Appendix In bookstore. You heard various. One of us talked about this, you've heard about the library license, the Vans license, the other license we have We have announced. Um, All these sort of cool things that we have related to Appendix-In. Howard is a huge fan of Appendix-In, and uh, he's played a lot of role-playing games, and a couple years ago he gave me a copy of one of his books at the booth. It took me like three years to read it. Um, I got a huge stack. I finally worked through it. It was awesome, really strong Appendix-In vibe. I asked him to do some fiction with the program guide, and I found out some other amazing things about Howard. He was the former managing editor of Black eight Magazine and Flashing Swords Easy. Um, he's the editor of eight, the eight-volume collection of the, the swashbuckling historical writer, Harold Lamb. Um, he's the author of four gaming novels and uh, the and Nassim historical series, which is one of the ones I read. Um, and he's a role player since grade school in the 70s, who grew up the Phoenix and writers. So I wanted to show you something that Howard and I have been working on. And it is called... Tales from the Magician's Skull. So for those of you who are fans of Appendix Inn, what's interesting to me is the story of GCC sort of came from Appendix Inn, but I think there's an opportunity to go back and give the world a chance to read fiction that is in that same voice of Appendix N. One of the challenges I personally have in a lot of fiction out there right now is it's it's too self-conscious. You know, you read fiction and they describe a dwarf as a dwarf and a fighter as a fighter, because they think in terms of what I call mainline fantasy and how it becomes sort of structured in the way that d presents it. But I think one of the charms of Appendix In is that Lack of self-awareness of fantasy as a genre, and the, the sort of lack of awareness of, you know, RPGs as a, as a thing, um, and this sort of original voice of Swords and Sorcery. Howard shared that vision, and we are going to be working on a fiction magazine. It's almost all fiction. There's a very small back part of the back by Terry Olson, where we took we asked the writers to produce stuff that was, you know, unrelated to gaming, just amazing Swords and Sorcery fiction. And then at the end, Terry added stats for some of the monsters, or locations, or other things that they uh, that they talked about. So. I was going to ask Howard some questions and tell you guys about the magazine, and if we have time to be able to answer some questions. Um, and I should show you the second issue's cover, too. This is issue one. This cover's by Jim Pavlok, who uh, I'm very fond of, and this is by Diesel, many of you know, illustrated. Uh, actually, Keep on the Borderlands and all other things back when the plastic d d era. So Howard, what about this project excited you the most?
2: Oh, wow. Well, like everything, um, it's a crazy dream, but I always wanted to edit for one of the old sword sorcery or weird tales magazines in, in that vein. and uh, I mean, I grew up, like you said, reading the Appendix N Vibe. I actually wrote down a little list from the back of the Dungeons and Masters Guide, and that's what... and went to the library and used bookstore and the bookstore to try and find the authors, and that blew the lid off my imagination and turned me into a writer. saw awesome, yeah. So tell me about the stories that appear in this issue. Oh, wow. Well, I wanted to find people that were in touch with the right vibe, you know, that were going to create new fiction that was uh, rooted in the same old rich heritage, right? So, went to some writers who appeared in the Black Gate. First one was uh, James A. He was nominated for a World Fantasy Award for his stories of Morlock the Maker, and he's got sort of a Jack Vance crossed with Roger Zelaznan vibe. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has a series of novels about Morlock but he's probably even more famous for the stuff that launched his career with the Warlock Stories and Black Game. And then we have Chris Wilrich, who's been writing for years about this thief duo called uh, Gaunt and Bone. He has this really beautiful literary style uh, with mad imagination. Yeah, his story has this huge floating tower encased in a block of ice. It's chasing a ship from the Arctic, and they have to stop the tower. I, it, it, it's an awesome story, and it, it would make an awesome uh, role-playing adventure as well. I could go on and on. Oh, uh, there's, uh, there's John a, on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's John Chris Hawking. He wrote what I think is the best uh, non-Robert E. Howard Conan novel. It's called mm-hmm. Conan the Angelic Lotus, and um, it, it's a surprising story about a guy who's sort of like a secret agent bounty hunter type for a, a government organization, sort of like the government secret enforcer, and it's full of some surprises. And then um, let's see. There's a Clint Werner. How many of you have read some of the Warhammer fiction? All right, so you may know, what some of the other people don't, that Warhammer has been producing some of the greatest sword and sorcery out there that has the old-school vibe, but people don't hear about it because, oh, it's tiny fiction, so they don't read it. But uh, Clint Werner is one of my favorites, and he wrote uh, an omnibus about this bounty hunter called Brunner. Those are fantastic, so I wanted to get him to write something new for us Tales from the Magician's Skull, he delivered a nice creepy little horror story with an adventure vibe. Now that's that's another thing, of course, is that some of the stories are pure adventure with horror vibe that you expect, but we try to have some horror stories with a little bit of adventure vibe, so it's
0: not just all the same flavor. And a a lot of the guys writing it are actually gamers. Um, I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but Clint actually did some writing for Goodman Games. We had an X-Crawl Fiction contest four or five years ago, and he actually won that contest. Um, so it's kind of funny how a lot of these guys have circled back and I find out about their past, like Howard's, it involves a whole lot of gaming. Well, I think there's a, my
2: generation and probably younger, most of the writers I went into grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons. Some of them grew up with Three O. if they're younger than me, but yeah. a lot of us were playing Advanced D&D and, and um, Traveler and, and what have you, Gamma World. Yeah. yeah. So what's your favorite in uh, off-air? Series, what are your inspirations? Oh, uh, well, you know, the stuff the only stuff I could find uh, when I went out there at the music bookstore or whatever was uh, Roger Gelazny's Chronicles of Amber, which remains one of my favorites, and um, Fritz Leiber's Swords Against Death, which uh, I loved a lot, my stuff. And unfortunately, I didn't read Robert e. Howard until much later. He's now one of my very favorite writers, but at the time I was looking, I couldn't find anything that was the original Robert e. Howard. But I think those guys, of course, Jack Vance. Love Jack Vance um, Clark Ashton Smith is good if I don't read too much in a row it's kind of like really rich chocolate right he's got that really <laughs> dense prose style I like Lovecraft in small doses um, Lee Brackett Lee Brackett's is another one of my favorites for Sword and Planet stuff yeah. I, I read her over and over Just that's awesome yeah So uh, as the editor, do you have an idea of where you want to steer the future issues? Well, you can hear how excited I am about what we're talking about here. I just want to keep delivering more and more of the same, with uh, the same sword and sorcery and adventure and horrific
0: thrills, hopefully a couple of times a year for years to come. So guys, this will launch initially as a Kickstarter. We're going to commit to two issues up front, um, assuming the Kickstarter funds and so on. If there's interest, we'll go further, but it's basically awesome fiction. Um, with some sort of TC stuff at the back to back it up. But um, it's really about just providing awesome stories. That, I mean, when I read these, you know, you walk away with your mind buzzing like, oh, I can totally do that in my game, you know? Um, and then the art's amazing. I, uh, of course, talked to some artists. Um, so Doug Kovacs has illustrated some of these. Um, if you've been at the booth and seen the appendix in bookstore, bookstores, so when I was setting that stuff out, there was some of it that I could not bear to sell. So <laughs> I pulled a couple of things back to keep it. But one of those was, I had these uh, actual pulp magazines from the thirties where there was some original work by Abraham Merritt. Um, and what's awesome, so I've always wondered how Guy made that transition from fiction to D&D, right? And there's plenty of books written on this. But I found this, uh, one of the serialized versions of The Moon back because a lot of these books were originally published as serials in the magazines of short stories. And it actually had a map in it, a couple maps in it, that had been drawn to illustrate the moon pool. And I'd never, I mean I've read many versions of the story and I've never seen that map before. So somewhere along the way it disappeared from the publications. Uh, but I, I saw this map and suddenly I, I understood how you can make this transition from fiction to thinking about how do I explore this place, you know, it's, it's very obvious in that, um, in that version of it. So some of the stories actually have maps, not quite gaming maps, you know, they're more sort of, il- like, it's almost like DCC has illustrated gaming maps, this goes one step further like truly just illustrated maps. Um, but just sort of help you get into the story more, we talked to, obviously, Doug, um, Stefan has a piece in there, Brad has an amazing piece in there. Um, I, I talked to some of the artists that I've always loved that I haven't had the chance to work with before, so that includes Genealogica Plays, also contributed. If you're a fan of Warhammer 40,000, um, and grew up back in the day loving Rome Trader, and uh, the Realms of Chaos book, the first one, I, I finally had a chance to work with Ian Miller. So Ian Miller contributed a full-page piece. There's some amaz- amazing stuff. The, the, the story, like, when you flip through it, I mean, you can see the art. Diesel's piece, and like this piece right here, just gave me nightmares for days. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> um, so I think when you flip through it, you'll be floored, and then when you read it, you'll be further floored. Um, so the Kickstarter key- for that will be out um, in a month or two, and then we'll hopefully print a couple of issues. And so if there's sufficient interest, we'll maybe keep doing it. So. Yeah, I'm excited awesome. about it. I could I could blather on and on, by better. <laughs> 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 but better. Thanks a lot. I'll you guys. Thank you. So, it's going to be awesome. I, uh, I want to talk about a couple other things before we're done. So, um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the Judges Guild. We have Mr. Bob Lettsons Jr. here. So, come on up, Bob. <laughs> How are you? Good. Good. Glad to be here. So, hopefully, you guys have had a chance to come by the booth. Um, we completed our work on the first volume of the Judges Guild Lectures Edition. Uh, and, you know,
1: um, we wanted to make a bigger book and we did, so <laughs> it's an awesome book. And, and it's hotcakes, it's moving. It's and, crazy. And all of the reviews I've gotten, no one said anything bad about it except maybe that it was too big. <laughs> but they they want it in softbound, they want it smaller, but they love the big uh, layout, the, the prints of the old newsletters, they love it.
0: And you guys know Judges Guild has a pretty extensive um, library of amazing work published from the dawn of the gaming industry, so I, I don't have to tell you that. I wanted to tell you about Volume Two that we're going to start work on soon, um, which is going to be the work of John Ways. So you guys know Dark Tower, Caverns of Thracia, uh, Book of Treasure Maps, uh, The Dungeoneer Magazine,
1: all those amazing things, and that's what we're going to do for Volume Two. Well, The Dungeoneer is where we managed to acquire all that talent. You uh, come from up in the Chicago area. Um, my dad loved The Dungeoneer, and it was published uh, by Chuck Hanshell in Chicago and he had access to writers like Brian Hinnon and uh, Robert Bingham, uh, some of the names that you may not know unless you know the early Guild material, but he had access to Jack Way's and others that were really top-notch. And so when my dad uh, offered to buy and take over Dungeoneer, he hired the owner, Chuck Anshel, to come down and work for us as editor on our journal and some of our publications. At that time, uh, it kind of put the others, they were like, who do we go to now, is it going to continue? And so uh, Janelle Jackways came under our umbrella along with a, a lot of people. So it was really, really good for my dad, but it, it was really lucky for us because Janelle could do both great writing and yet great art at the same time. And so, what, did you bring what I brought you today? I mean, the little Oh, is it my backpack. I'm sorry. That's my backpack. But there, no, you don't have to do it. But no, no, it's cool. This uh, is the cool thing about hanging out with Bob. Like, he just hands you stuff, and you're like, my god, sorry, this is a I'm historical
0: I'm relic. <laughs> I'm,
1: a, I'm a scatterbrain, but I, I think things, and I, and I sometimes I throw things at him unexpectedly. So it's it's very like, oh,
0: yeah, check this out. And it's like, you know, original art
1: or. I show and, that? Well, what this was was uh, this was in. The, this was Jackway's first year with us, 1977, 78. going went into 78. And this was a uh, distributors' booklet that went just to a handful, maybe a dozen distributors. Um, it was guidelines for distributorship and how to and what your discounts would be if you carried so many of our product and it has a full catalog of what we had and carried but for example janelle at the time was working her way through college in art school and she submitted so much little clip art that not all of it made it to journals or product or pegasus uh, she was just cranking out all this artwork all the time, and it was really creative stuff And my dad loved it of course and he would throw it into things like this that the general public just never saw it Hopefully with volume two we can include a lot of that art That just it hasn't been seen in years and years and only by a few people so uh, It's one of those tidbits that it has to make it out some way and this is this is the way to do it for uh, Real fans of Jack Waits and our material from that age. Uh, she had so much to do with uh, other artists like Kevin Cimbita at the time. Really influenced our image. When we started making modules, we really didn't know quite what we were doing. And so my dad would say to me, uh, Bob, can you do a cover for this? And so yeah, I'd sit and draw it. Because I was the boss's son, I was 13, it became the cover of Batabasco, or it became the cover of Teagle, those were my earliest. And I went on to do like 16 different covers over the years, and I got a little better. But I was nothing compared to artists like Jack Ways and Kevin Sabita and Aaron Oroko and these other artists that were really good. Uh, but what I was going to say was in 78, 79, uh, that influx of the Dungeoneer talent from up north coming down to Decatur, many of them moved down to work for us. Uh, we doubled our staff instantly. And we, we were just hit with a lot of great talent that Chuck Anshel had put together. And we were very fortunate. And it, it changed the image of our product greatly. But I can't say enough because it did a lot for us.
0: And it's amazing work. I mean, you guys know... Dark Tower, and it's often the basis of campaigns that I've heard many people running. Um, will once again have access to the issues of the Judgesville Journal. Yes. They've never been reprinted before. The ones that originally shipped those issues will include. The goal is to include uh, the early issues of Dungeon Year Magazine
1: as well. Yes. Um, and then material well, like this. Stuff that the rarer, the more priority we're going to give it. We want you guys to see the stuff that others really haven't had a chance to see. And Janelle is gracious enough to come on board with us and help us along with it. So it's it's going to be complete and it's going to be good. Um, I'm proud of the volume one already. So I know this is just going to blow them away because our products in the early days. Let's face it. My dad hired friends. My dad hired his kids. Um, we did what we could because we were on a shoestring and we were we loved what we did, but we were just flying by wire. With Janelle and some pros coming in. And they were pros. I mean it really changed the guild. But we were we were always very happy about that. It gave us our boom. Our real boom was seventy eight to eighty. And it was we had a lot of authors come in after the credits we got from Dark Tower and Thracia. It actually drew better authors to us because it brought us up a notch. But I'm just really happy about it. It's gonna be cool. It's gonna be really cool.
0: It'll take a it takes a long time to do these books, <laughs> as you may have noticed. Or mm-hmm. you know, probably at least a year before we launch the Kickstarter. There's a lot of scanning work to do, restoring the journals. It takes a lot of work because they're newsprint and tend to yeah. fall apart and things like that. Um, and then you know, a lot of it is going through the, the historical vault um, that Bob has access to and that Janelle has access to. And she sent me a list of all the things she'd like to include. And it is stuff like this, like distributor terms that a handful of distributors ever saw but it's illustrated with, you know, not just the original Jacquet's art, which blew my mind, you know, but there's Frazetta art in here, too, you know? Um, And these guys had access to this amazing talent pool. We were very
1: fortunate. Yeah. It was was a combination of time and the access to the right people, and so... So it's going to be awesome. And you kind of have that, too, and you're you're experiencing your own boom now. More, More and more people are being drawn to you. I see it from having seen it before. It's well, cool. Thanks. <laughs> you see how this works I'm out. just glad to be a part of it, too. It's a I'm life. seeing it happen again, you know, 30 years later. I mean, but basically my business strategy is to rip
0: off what you guys
1: did. <laughs> <laughs> you're not ripping anybody off. You're not ripping anybody off. You've done me a solid all along. You're an honest businessman. and a great guy. So right, cool. we're very happy.
0: Well, this will be an exciting project, and uh, it'll, it'll take a while, but we'll look for it in about a year or so, and then we'll go from there. So, cool. Face on. Thanks again. So guys, I wanted to talk about two more things. Um, first one is 5th edition. So as you guys know from Into the Borderlands, we are working on some 5th edition projects. Um, we have 5th edition Fantasy, which is our uh, you know, line 5e e modules, and Into the Borderlands is you know, officially, uh, you know, it's from WOTC, the official blessing to convert some of these modules. And what I like about 5e is, um, well, what many people like about 5e, which is that it's gaining in popularity, it's, you know, sort of uniting the gaming community in a way that certain other editions didn't do. Uh, and if you look at some of the sales statistics that are out there, it, it's doing amazing. I think the market has changed, and so you don't get the same buzz factor from retailers that you would have gotten in the third edition era, for example. Um, but you know, the, the stories are that 5 e is now outsold third edition um, by a long shot, and it, it's, it's really built a huge install base, uh, and it's, it's switched to proving itself to be what I call the new standard for D&D, and d and i happy to support that new standard, while also supporting DCC and so on. Um, but there's a certain audience out there that will always play fifth edition, and that's great, and we should encourage that audience, because that's what pulls people into you know, the broader world of gaming. So, something I've been thinking about recently is if you guys, um, I don't know how many of you guys, you know, sort of pay attention to what's out there, but there's a lot of subscription programs these days. There's, you know, MythWarp, and then there's RPG Crate, and then there's, you know, The Treasure Table, and then there's several others. Um, and I've been subscribing to some of these for the last year or so and just sort of monitoring what's out there. And they're doing a great job, and there's a great interest now in what I'll call, you know, gaming subscription programs. Um, and if you don't know the basic model, you basically sign up and of the schedule once a quarter, once a month, once every two months, you get a, usually a crate they call it, but kind of a, a box that has a variety of content, um, and, they, and I, if you subscribe to any of these, you may have seen some of the Goodwin Games products that have been in a few of them over the last year, um, and it's a really interesting format, and I think it's a way to provide uh, a steady stream of interesting material for the, for the right product line. Uh, a long time ago, we used to offer a DCC subscription service back in the era of third edition, it was, a, it was a blessing and a curse. The, the blessing side was that it gave us a chance to give people, you know, sort of consistent content on a regular basis, and they, they knew they get it. Um, the curse side was that if we wanted to do something like Castle White Rock, you know, it's one thing to tell somebody we're going to bill you ten dollars every other month and you get a module. Oh, and then there's going to be a hundred dollar charge. You know, so what I like to do with DCC is have the room to do these sort of, um, sort of special projects, whether it's you know a Purple Planet box set or a Chain coffee box set or a Lake <laughs> Bar or something like that. And it doesn't really work with a subscription program because the the, the price and delivery schedule is it, you know, varies. But with fifth edition, I think there's a lot of room to do a subscription program. So I wanted to let you guys know, for those of you who are fifth edition fans, we're working on a fifth edition subscription program. Um, it won't be launched until next year sometime. It'll be that great format. So sign up, you'll get you know a box full of goodies. Obviously, there'll be a fair amount of good game stuff in there, because we have the fifth edition fantasy line, which is eleven modules so far. Um, But there's a lot of stuff that we can do. I mean, you guys know that we have a library license, but that's not, there's nothing in it that says DCC RPG. So we already have a 5th edition conversion of um, the Langmar works completed. Um, You guys know we have a a license to the works of Jack Dance, um, but there's nothing in it that says it has to be limited to DCC RPG. So we already have a 5th edition conversion of the works of Jack Dance completed. Um, We have a lot of 5 e products in the works, and I I think when you guys see this uh, Filmy Neighborhood Game Box announced, it'll be of great interest to 5 e players. So that'll be coming out next year. Um, and there's another really fun part of this as well, two other fun parts. The first is, I, I like to be fair to retailers, and one of the, the problems in the past with subscription programs was that it does, in a certain way, detract from retailers who are willing to sell things. So we will offer this food distribution as well. So uh, retailers will be able to, to carry these subscription programs for their customers in the stores, or if, you're, if you live in a place far away from anywhere, which Harley is familiar with, stores <laughs> 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 nearby, you can also subscribe by mail order. But the other really fun part is that, you know, that there's a like I mentioned, I like to rip off Judges Guild. There's a there's a, a model out there for how to run a sub- successful subscription model. And that model is Judges Guild. In order to get their early products, you subscribe to them. Um, and they would deliver them to the mail, which is how you got the Judges Guild Journal and you know Dungeoneer Times and things like that. Um, so we've also worked out uh, an arrangement with Bob to bring back the Dungeoneer magazine. And that would be part of this great program. It'll be um, uh, you know the focus will be fifth edition of the crate, so that's where we expect the focus to be. But eventually it'll be all about just great fantasy material. Um, and we'll tell you more about the editor and other such things in future times. But it'll it'll be an exciting part of this program. So I think for those of you who are interested in 5e, it'll be a chance for you to have a regular delivery model of stuff that you're interested in. And for the you know even if there's not 5e fans here, it'll be a, a different kind of crate service offering new and exciting product from us that includes some licenses and partnerships and so on. Um, and then I also won't forget the rest of the 5e marketplace. There's actually great stuff out there um, being published by other publishers for 5e um, that you guys may know. I like the guys at Troller Games. They're doing 5e conversions with a lot of their modules as well as some new content. Um, and there's other stuff out there as well. So more details to come on that. You'll look for more info on that next year. So now I wanted to talk about one more thing. I was wondering if anybody named Steve Crompton was in the room. Steve? 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 Yeah.
3: Oh, just finished dinner in the lobby. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Do you have anything good? Uh, The burgers are really good. Try the burgers. (laughs) burgers. Excellent. So for those of
0: you who don't know, Steve's middle name is Grimtooth. He is uh, the the co-creator of Grimtooth, but also basically the face of Grimtooth. Metaphorically (laughs) (laughs) speaking. He's uh, been the primary illustrator, um, creative voice, writer of Grimtooth since... uh, 82
3: something like that yeah but probably since the the mid 90s but i've been involved with Grimtooth since the very beginning yeah, yeah so um it go ahead it's <laughs>
0: done a ton of awesome work and many of you know we uh i guess it's been about two years ago no, a year and a half two years ago we compiled um all the existing Grimtooth Straps product and you know when i was a kid i had Grimtooth books and it was just cool um <laughs> cool way to kill cool stuff and um, <laughs> anyway i love those books and it was fun to compile them and um, work with steve who's like an amazing wellspring of history and just one of those guys who's like, you should spend, like, everybody in this room should spend five minutes talking this to you. <laughs> He's like, one of those creative guys I've ever met. He can write, he can draw, he can edit, he can do cartography, he can do layout, he can scan Judges Guild materials. He has, uh, this guy is Um But we're excited to announce a brand new Grimtooth product, uh, which we have, I guess, talked a little bit about online so far.
3: Yeah, but, uh, yeah.
0: Grimtooth traps Trapsylvania. And I was thinking, uh maybe you could just tell us a little bit about this book.
3: Sure, you know, uh, we did the Grimtooth collection, and you guys loved it. And then we did uh, Tomb of the Warhammer, which was actually a Grimtooth DCC adventure for you guys to play in. And also we did the Museum of Death, which was another Grimtooth-related DCC project. So, um, what we're trying to do is, and we're, we're, you know, we're taking Grimtooth and we're trying to expose them to all of you guys who are DCC players to give this, you know, it's like a whole little universe you guys can start playing around in. And, um, so... That seemed to go, those things to go really well, those projects, right? So, uh, Joseph, Joseph came to me and said, well, so what else can you do? And I had all these-
0: He a whacked, lot of ideas.
3: Whacked out ideas. And the one he liked the most was was taking uh, the locations in the Grimtooth mythos uh, and, and turning them into solid places you could run a game in, do a campaign. And so, um, some of you probably don't know who Grimtooth is, maybe, so, Basically, he's this uh, half-troll, invulnerable uh, megalomaniac who who rules this. He's famous for selling traps to dungeon masters across the all the universes, right? So all these dungeons that have traps and stuff, he sold them the traps or the plans to the traps, and so he has his own realm, and uh, which we created using all the stuff that is talked about. Like in the in the Grimtooth thing, he's got an airship, so. Well, if he has an airship, then he's going to have to have an air hangar and a place to put the airship, and people have to work there to fix it. So my job was to try and write that and make it, you know, interesting and funny like the Trapsburg were, but at the same time usable. You know, and he has a castle, which he's referred to in all the books. So we put a castle in, and he has (laughs) underground layers where he does, you know, stuff and and testing and hides things, and we we put that in, and he's got a testing center, kind of like the GM testing grounds, right? So he's got a place where he tests all these weird traps. Some have to be done outside, so we did that. And there's, um, he has a bratty kid sister called Grimtina, um, who's kind of like, you know, somebody told me something I hadn't thought of, that she is Harlequin before Harlequin existed. She's that kind of a character. So to get rid of her, he he took over a school and, and threw her off in this school for wayward trolls. So we, we, we built the school, you know, so you've got this school, it's been burned to the ground because Grimtina arsoned it to get out of going, but it's there, it's a ruin, it's got werewolves in it, and you can explore it and look for all sorts of stuff, and then uh, beyond that there's a greater mystery uh, within the Grimtooth realm that if you play deep enough you'll find out, you know, even more, like what's really going on and who's really behind this and what what is really going, you know, what's this all about? So. That was the goal, was to try and create this really, the kind of the kind of wild places that you guys are already exploring in the DCC universe, but still make it be that classic, you know, uh, Grimtooth's trap stuff, but something you guys would enjoy. So there you go, that's it in a nutshell. And then you pulled in a lot of the original contributors. Yes, we, uh, you know, over the years, over 30, over 30 years, Grimtooth has been publishing books from 1981 to 2000, or to 1992, we published stuff and then we added some additional stuff when we did the, the collaboration we do. So, um, one of the things we talked about was wh- how would we make that feel to make it feel like the Grimtooth Traps books and one of the ideas i suggested is well, what if I can find the other artists who worked on the book and get the other editors who worked on writing the traps and stuff over the various seven volumes to all contribute something, some location or something for the for the adventure, and so we managed to get almost everyone who ever worked on the Traps books on a, on a large, you know, as an editor or a writer, to contribute something, so... and including art. And some artists, um, Michael Von Glan hadn't done any fantasy art in over 25 years, so we managed to get him out of retirement to do Sixteen Villas for us, and Liz Danforth did some portraits for us of some of the bizarre and crazy characters that live in Krypton's realm. Um, and so we got her because she actually created Grimtooth originally uh, as a throwaway cartoon. So we've got them all together. It's like bringing the band back together, man. You know, so there you go.
0: And it's the book has it has a setting. It has new traps. It has critters like monster stats. Yeah. It has sort of location type stuff. It has NPCs. It, it really is. You could theoretically, if you want to take your game up to 11 and kill a lot of PCs, send them this. It's sort of an extra
3: player location. Yeah, it, it, the whole game there. It really is. You can have any of your adventures lead into this realm. Um, think of it as, and you all know who Dr. Doom is, so think of it as a crazy, freaked out, fantasy version of Dr. Doom's Latverian. And Grimtooth is like Dr. Doom, so that's kind of what you got, you know? And you can bring your characters in and, and run them through and have a great time doing it. And you don't really have to even know anything about Grimtooth to enjoy it. It's just this bizarre, crazy place. And the book is being done with DCC stats? Yes. this uh, The team... The team at you guys is Joseph's company. You guys got experts. There's one sitting over there in the corner. Jan is the editor. Um, and we pulled... They pulled together. So it's going to have the classic Grimtooth setup at the beginning, written with his voice. He'll be telling you what there is to see. There, just like they do in the traps books. But in the back of the book, every monster, character, and trap is going to be statted with your guys' DCC stats. So you'll be able to go back and go, oh, okay, this is blah, 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 and you'll be able to use it. So that was a genius idea on your guys' part.
0: (laughs) The real genius was Grip
3: Well, thanks. Yeah. So cool. Guys,
0: it's going to be awesome. Um, Steve's been working on this for probably a year or so. so Yeah. Quite a while. Mm -hmm. Um, We're almost at the finish line doing some final, sort of final fiddly bits. Um, and we'll probably do the Kickstarter in probably two to three months, I'd say, uh, right. when it's all done. And uh, it's not going to be a monster. Well, sort of, ah, it's not going to be a huge book, it's going to be probably 96 to 128 pages, but it's enough that you can have a lot of fun, run a lot of fun games, and sort of bring that Grim-tube, uh vibe into your game, not just as a trap here and there, but actually something you experience for a couple sessions or more, um,
3: before your players, well, probably before they die, uh, <laughs> yeah, before really. you
0: send them back to their regular world.
3: Yeah, so uh, we hope you guys give it a shot. I hope you try it, and uh, please help us with the Kickstarter when it comes, and I want to thank you all for helping out when we did uh, the big you know, collection. It was just amazing, and uh, I look forward to doing it again with this. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> See you all later. <laughs> See you later. Going back uh, to dessert. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so guys, uh, that's actually about it. I think for once we're actually ending on time. Um, so it's about 7:45. We have about 15 minutes left in the room before somebody boots us out. Anybody want to ask any questions or anything I forgot to cover? Dieter, what you got? When are you going <laughs> to tell us what that unannounced license is? Um, I don't know. A while from now. <laughs> uh, maybe Gary Con or maybe Jim Con next year. We have to get through a couple of things, but we're almost there. And you had a question as well? I was
1: just reinforcing his
3: question. <laughs> okay, cool.
1: Do you want to third that, or do you have another no, question? No. Uh, what is the ETA on anything uh, Dying Earth or fans related?
0: Probably next year. So we have a team working on it, and uh, I think it's going to be great. We're going to be discussing who's working on it soon, but it, it'll be it'll turn out great. And actually, the final version actually is complete, um, and there's been stuff in motion on that for quite a while. In the DCC.
1: Else? I want to second
2: what you were saying about the uh, tales from the magnificent skull. How good the stories are—they're really, really good. That's
0: right, because Terry read them all, and yeah, in yeah, the yeah, stats yeah. I had to read the them, so. them all, stat them all. Yeah, and they're
2: really, really, really good. Original, you know, not not derivative, and, and super fun to stat. You know, for people <laughs> like statting. I mean, yeah, looking forward to it.
1: Cool. Thanks.
3: Any other questions? I'm totally biased on this because I got to be the Warlord of the Purple Planet last year, but is there any more development on the Warlord of
0: the Purple Planet game? Uh, Nothing specific, but it'll come out eventually. I mean, I I think uh, um, games go in cycles, right? Like, there was the the big RPG boom around the D20 era, and then there's frankly now a board game boom and so on. Mm -hmm. And I have this funny habit of sort of missing every move. I'm kind of waiting for the the board game move to die down and then I'll jump in. (laughs) You know, it's got to be old school, you know? When board games are old school, games will get involved. Uh, But more realistically, like, I want to just keep it sort of simmering and coming along. There's been some other new board game ideas that have come up recently, and uh, so I don't have an exact ETA on it, but, you know, sooner or later. I know that's completely vague and not helpful at all. Can you say any
3: more about other projects you got, like, simmering away way back there? (laughs) <laughs> Not yet, but it will come out sooner or later. <laughs>
0: uh, part of the process just involves, you know, if you let stuff, the more, in my opinion, the more you think about stuff, and we have a lot of really creative guys working together, and, and uh, when you give stuff time, just amazing stuff happens, and sometimes there's things you couldn't predict at all. So just want to wait till it really feels great. I mean, there's, <laughs> Doug had a funny quote once, we were debating something, um, and I think I was like rushing to finish the project to actually have it come out on time. Um, and he, he said, you know, if he was working on it, it would basically never come out. At least with me working on it, it does come out a little late, but at least it, you know, finally gets out. So there's that fine line between working on it until it's absolutely perfect, which means it never comes out, or at what point do you sort of, you know, say, okay, fine, we're, we're ready to release this. And um, we debate that on many projects as to what's the right time. And it's better to have it a little late but really solid, I think, than, uh,
1: than on time. But or you could right do it the way judges Yelp did. Change each edition as you print them. That works too, yeah. Yeah, You can always make improvements. That's true on the reprint, yeah.
0: Anything else? Cool. Well, thanks, you guys. Thanks, especially those who entered the tournament and played and and died in many cases. And I think, Mark, we have to close this with (laughs) a (laughs) card. If those of you who don't know, Mark's been instrumental in the tournament, which is why he needs to be called Instrumental.